You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 24. I think the best way to handle this is to actually read out most of the chapter and land on Joshua's famous verse, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I think uh, this will be helpful. We're going to talk about, the title of this message is, The Legacy You Want, The Legacy You Need. All of this text is really related to the spiritual legacy of the Israelites, the spiritual legacy of, of Abraham, spiritual legacy of Moses, and the spiritual legacy of Joshua and God's people. And so when we talk about legacy, one of the things that I want to share just for beginning as we kind of think about this text is that some of your greatest happiness will come from legacy. So every single person wants their life to matter in some way, shape, or form. It might be related to family, it might be related to business, it might be related to your faith and spiritual life, your church, but every single person wants their life to matter, at least to another person to some degree. And so we're going to talk about legacy as we look here at this text, Joshua 24, verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders and the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. You can underline that before God section. Verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. And I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. I'm in verse 7 now. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. And made, and made the sea come upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand and you took possession of their land and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. That's a wild story that you should read some other time in the Bible. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. I'm in verse 11. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. 
verse 14 as we run for home here, church. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that they serve beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what's the Bible say? Say it out loud. So, Father, we come now to understand your word, to be built up, Lord God, and to love you and to serve you, to comprehend you. I pray now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would that you would really have your way with your church this morning, that you would speak truly to us, and that we would have real comprehension of this text. So come, Father, now we pray in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Let's talk about legacy. The legacy you want, the legacy you need, again, by way of repetition. I think I know this because if I were to sort of have a silly moment with you and say, who wants to be happy? Everybody would raise their hand. And so I want you to understand that some of your happiest moments are when you have legacy in your life. It's meaningful to you. You're designed for it. You're wired for it. And so this text here is mentioning that. Joshua, when he says this, he's saying, I understand that I'm over this entire nation by God. I understand that. And whether you choose to obey the Lord, whether you choose to do what God says, whether you choose to fulfill the promises that God has for you in the land that we've just entered, you know this, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord. So I will lead you, I will guide you, but I'm not responsible for your obedience. I'm responsible for the leadership over you. It's on you to obey the Lord. In fact, a couple of verses later, in fact, right after this, they're gonna really be quite, 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 you know, forward. They're gonna say in verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. They're gonna say, we're no, no, we're gonna obey the Lord. We're gonna obey the Lord. You know what Joshua says? No, you're not. No, I'm not believing any of that. Here's what we have to settle. And so we're going to talk about legacy. So there are some problems and some solutions related to legacy. It's, it's actually a fascinating subject matter because actually in business, like all across America, there's all kinds of literature out there of businesses where really, really good businesses are trying from the founder to give it to another generation or to another person, either by sale or partnership. And, and actually there's, there, there's such a, an absence of leadership. And so there's a, there's a real serious problem. Of course, we're going to talk about church and family mainly. I'm going to talk about how to create a family legacy very briefly and then how to create a Jesus legacy. But before we get there, let's talk about problems and solutions. So God is constantly looking for first-generation people who have the heart, soul, strength, and mind. First generation. So we'll count to three. Ready? Everybody say one. one. Say two. two. Three. Okay, so we have three generations that are represented here in the text. And generally, when we talk about legacy, three generations that we actually have to consider. So if it's a family, it's obviously mom and dad, it's the kids, and it's the grandkids, right? So that's three generations in terms of legacy. So in the text, you definitely had Moses, who's now gone and been with the Lord for some time. He was first generation. And here you have 
the very, very last remnant of the first generation, and his name is Joshua. And I'll describe some of the difference in just a moment. And then you have the Israelites, it's to all the rest of nations, a few million people. And some of them are second generation, and some of them are third generation. So there's actually a mix. And when you get into the next book of the Bible, which is called Judges, uh, that's where you're going to actually see some issues and problems. That's why the book of Judges just that's a very interesting read. I mean, you have these spiritual powers of God and then just real darkness from the people and revival and the darkness of the people. And it's related to the second and third generations. And are they going to walk with the Lord and, and are they going to fight for the right things? So in terms of first generation, Moses was a first generation. And what you have to know is that when first generation decides to lead, follow the Lord, uh, do something good, even in, in, in private practice and business, it often doesn't go well when it starts. So in terms of Moses, Moses' first generation, he sees these Israelites, which he understands now were his brethren being taken advantage of. He steps into it, we would call it the flesh, and he kills a man. So under don't do that, that's one of the lists of don't do that. Right, don't do that. But it didn't go well. So now he's gone for about 40 years, and he's going to come back. So he's going to come back, and this now is different. This is God at the burning bush. Everybody say yes. Yeah. Right? It's God at the burning bush. So you would think, I saw the burning bush. God talked to me. God told me his name. He told me it's holy ground. I got out of my sandals. I, I got on the ground. I worshiped God. I talked to him. I asked him questions. I told him I didn't know how to do this. He said, don't worry about it. I'm a, who made your mouth? And okay, now you don't want to listen to me. I'll give you Aaron. But go do it. Go do it. Now I'm going to go do it. Now I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to Pharaoh, and I'm going to tell him a thing or two. How'd it go? Yeah, that's right. It didn't go well. All right, so sometimes when we're trying to build things for God in our families and in our church, we hear from the Lord, we take that first step, we go, wait, it didn't go well. What happened there? And so in terms of Moses, Pharaoh kind of rebelled and said, you know what, I'm going to make it harder on the Israelites. And the Israelites turned to him and said, maybe you haven't heard from the Lord. Who are you? Talk about the first, second, and third generation and some of the differences for them. Okay, so first-generation people. you got to kind of understand this because it will help in terms of legacy and help understand the text, help understand the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges. First-generation people, they have certain things in common. Generally, they're fighters. I mean, generally, they're fighters and they're builders and they're tough. They're people that, you know, do you have to pay the price? They paid it. Or they're going to pay it. Do you have to sacrifice, do without less right now, kind of even suffer through it and be rejected and go through that? They're going to go through that. And they're going to labor day after day, day after day for their family, for the church, for their faith, for their professional lives. And they're going to labor and labor and labor. That's first generation. And so first-generation people sometimes have some weaknesses when they're trying to turn things over to the next generation where they'll say something like, so you know how hard I worked. Right? <laughs> then the parents will be there and maybe even grandparents will say to the kids, do you know how much we sacrificed? Uh, and is it true? Yeah, yeah of course it's true. And, and what do the second and third generation generally do with that? Nothing. <laughs> Except say thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate the vacation home and, uh, you know, the. So, first generation 
spiritually, even professionally, they're fighters, they're disruptors, they're builders. They'll pay the price, they'll make the sacrifice. So on a personal note, it's really fascinating. I sometimes get comments about this. My wife and I were first-generation Jesus followers. Almost no root system. Right? So, so you've heard my testimony. I'm not going to belabor it, but you know, I didn't really have a stable family life. So we got together, and we, we fought for that. Her and I, we fought for it. And it wasn't easy to try and raise kids, at least with stability and love and provision. We fought for it. As you fight for it, we're first-generation Jesus followers without apology. As for me and my house, the Soto family, we'll figure it out. We'll serve the Lord. Amen. Now, second generation, second generation's different. They figure out, they generally want to figure out how to keep it. In other words, generation number two can kind of look at the first generation and go, wow, they really, they sweated for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I saw mom and dad, or I saw them, you know, really sweat for it. And so, and so, so I want to keep it. I want to keep it. I want to keep this. I want to keep that. How do we conserve? How do we preserve? And generally that's some of the problem because they're trying to protect and not build. It's often the beginning of a problem, but then third generation. So this is, this is, you know, just hang on there. I don't want to pick on anybody. Might make a few people feel uncomfortable. Would not be the first time that Pastor Rick did that, but third generation are entitled and privileged, and more than willing to be spoiled. All right, that's third generation. Okay, so third generation, right? So they inherit, I'm just going to pick on it, the vacation home. Yes, thank you, Jesus. We'll take it, keep it, have it for ourselves, right? Nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but they love enjoying the resources that they never fought for. They love enjoying the resources they never sacrificed for. They love enjoying the resources that they generally have no skills of managing. In adulthood, they frequently lose everything. This is spiritually, and this is also professionally and personally. Spiritually, who's Moses? Okay, I just told you, Moses, the guy, he, he failed. He tried to follow the Lord. He failed terribly, killed the guy, and then he's gone for decades. And he's gone from all the comfort of Egypt. That's what the book of Hebrews says. He, he, took, he, he allowed the pleasures, and the Bible says the pleasures of sin. He finally denied that, the wealth, the riches, the fame, the acclaim, the privilege of that. He goes away for decades and decades and decades, and now he's going to come back. And now it's not going to go well. But he's going to watch God's promises be true. Amen? And that is the destruction of all the false gods of Egypt. And then as the story read, then we're going to go down to the Red Sea. And then again, it's for Moses. Moses, did, really? Well, thank you very much, Moses, for leading us this way. I mean, I could have died back in Egypt. That would have been better than just getting slaughtered here on the beaches. And then, write this down, church. He turns to the Lord. It's a very serious conversation with the Lord. And the Lord says, why are you talking to me? Go in the water, that staff that I gave you, drive it right down, and I will part the waters. Moses, I'm reading into the text, sort of says, okay, well, I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking, thinking, you know, maybe, maybe something else, you know. He's like, no, no, that's what you do, and that's why I gave it to you. You walk into those waters, and you watch what I do, because that which I do for you, I will do for my people. And he does it, and they, 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 they cross over on the dry land. And he saw that, and Joshua saw that. 
You have to understand that these were all born in Egypt. Joshua was probably born in Goshen. They were not in the promised land. And so Joshua sees all of this. And then, of course, there's a rebellion, and so they have to wander for many years. And now, now they're going to be released into the promised land. And they haven't seen the power of God quite the same way, have they? They haven't paid the price, have they? When they needed food, it just fell from heaven. When they needed water, he walks up to the rock, and at one time he's supposed to say something. Hey, rock, give me water. And the water came. He struck it, and the water came. The third generation struggles because it comes easy. They have the privilege of that, and so... So God's going to teach him. This is what this is what Joshua's doing. It's why it's not that he's being mean when the people in the verses afterwards say when they actually say, "Hey, listen, we will follow the Lord." The reason why he pushes back is he's pushing back on them for accountability. You understand because you said it with your mouth. It's not that easy. He wants them to know it was not easy for Abraham to leave. It was not easy for Moses to leave. It was not easy for me to leave. You understand that. You understand that we were afraid sometimes. You understand that we didn't always know what to do. You understand that we faced tremendous criticism. And none of us was equipped for this except God equipped it. You understand that. What you say with your mouth is too easy. You're going to go into that land. You're going to take possession. You need to fight for it. And so, so a principle here is that second and third generation people need to have the faith of first generation people. That's what they need to do, and anybody can have it. That's the good news. Are you third generation? Did you have some sort of privilege or, or, or that kind of thing? Well, then praise the Lord. Praise the Lord if you had good parents. Praise the Lord if you had good grandparents. Praise the Lord if you have financial resources. You have to think like that first generation fighter. You have to fight like that. Let's talk about family legacy. This is what most people are interested in. Then it will, it will, will, will run for home with how to create a Jesus legacy. Okay. You guys ready for family legacy? Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. I'm not going to belabor this much. Okay. Family legacy. And it's what Joshua is doing when he's, when he's not making it easy for them at the very end. The first principle is don't do for your kids, young or adult, what they can do for themselves. Age appropriate. Get your digital device out and type that phrase down. Because <laughs> I'm saying it, no one believes it, nobody wants to do it, because you have to pay the price for that. Mom and dad, grandma, grandparents, that means at certain points you're going to let life be hard and painful for your kid. Who wants that when you love those little buddies? Right? It's really a challenge. It's a challenge for mamas. Mamas had the, the baby come through them, of all things. And it's hard for dads because you're used to snuggling them and having them in their arms and you're used to comforting them. And at those young ages, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to make life comfortable for them. But age appropriate, do not do for your young kids or adult kids what they can do for themselves. Sometimes you need to insert the word should. Son and daughter, you should do this. You should get a job. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I thought revival would break out on that one, huh? You should pay your own bills, right? You should take care of your own business. 
You should grow up being an adult and enjoy all the challenges, the privileges, and blessings of being an adult. But we as adults sometimes steal that from them. Nobody is on that journey without pain. Nobody has a good marriage without tears. I didn't get an amen on that one, did I? So that's the journey. Don't spare them. If you violate this principle, you are actually stealing God's glory from your children. That's why it's big. That's why, that's why Joshua is saying, after the verses that I've read to you, I'll leave it for you to study more of that. That's why he's pushing back on them. I'm not going to be with you, Joshua says. Don't think it's going to be easy. You're going into these lands. You must possess them. Unfortunately, in the book of Judges, that at least begins with them turning to the Lord and taking his word seriously. It would not be easy. And so they would gather together and say, okay, we're going to turn to the Lord, and they would begin to march. But if you, if you violate the principle, the first principle of family legacy, you will actually be stealing God's glory from your kids. You're actually taking God's testimony away from them. The testimony of my wife and I is we can remember when we had two nickels. Two itty-bitty nickels. How is that possible? Right? We can remember going on dates as a young couple. We can remember getting like a, 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 a birthday gift, right, of like $10 or $20 and going, okay, what can we do fun with this? And then going, getting coupons or whatever, and then going and, and, and having a budget based on only that, right? We remember that. You know, that's our glory now. We're far from that. But that's our glory. That's God's testimony to when we had those two little nickels, he never forgot about us, never forgot about us for fun, never forgot us about us for love, never forgot us for provision, and let us know that we could build a life together. That's our testimony, and it's our gift to our kids and our grandkids as they come. That's our gift. And when you take that from your kids, you take that testimony of God from them. Second thing on how to create a family legacy, there's only two portions here. Teach them super solid social skills. Teach your kids super solid social skills. You know, when you go through the law, take the Ten Commandments as an example, and take even honoring parents. Okay, so it's honor parents, it's all of that, but you know what it comes down to in part related to this? Is teach your kids super solid social skills so that you can enjoy them and others can enjoy them and so that they can enjoy others as well. Teach them honor codes. Teach them honor codes. Okay, let me do this quickly. Honor codes. So I have my oldest son. This is back when we had phones, not this, right? So we had phones, and so people would call the house, and, and, and so we're teaching our kids how to be honorable, and so he'd pick up the phone. I don't know, he's five, six, seven years old. He's got a squeaky little voice, right, my oldest. And so here it is, because this, this kind of took this practice away, okay? This really kind of took this practice away, and I see it within generations, so it's just an illustration of this. We taught him to pick up the phone. He picks up the phone. 
He says, hello, the soda, this is the Soto residence. This is Toby Soto speaking. Who may I say is calling? Yeah, that's honor. That's the beginning of a social skill. How do I talk to somebody? How do I talk to an adult? How do I talk in an honorable way? This is also my house. This is actually where I live. And this is where my father's house is. Hi, this is the Soto residence. I am Toby Soto. Who may I say is calling? Across the board, so many people would say, that is a fine young man, right? Tell him, tell him to come call me when he wants a job and all of that. That's right. It's also the same way where I watch kids oftentimes, and I'm not going to belabor this, but move quickly on this. They don't, know, they don't know how to talk in a way that honors their parents or their grandparents, socially one with their other people. They say terrible things. And I know, look, my family's not perfect, your family's not perfect, and the family that our kids and our grandkids are going to raise are not going to be perfect, right? But we have to talk in a certain way that's honorable to one another, that actually honors God. That's the principle. So how to have a family legacy? Teach them super solid social skills so that they become a godly blessing to others and open them up to the honor code of the gospel. Open them up to this honor code of the gospel. Sons and daughters, speak this way to others. Your peer group, speak this way to others who are older than you. Speak this way to others that are younger than you because it's important before God and it's part of our family, part of our legacy. I, I, I believe I loved my kids and had a great uh, bedside manner with them, but I would just say that I told anybody who would ever listen, my kids are out of line, talk to me. Like, no way. I did not raise four sons to ever act, you know, in certain ways. No, it's not tolerated in my house. They can make their own decisions. They can make their own decisions in adulthood. But when they present themselves, they are speaking for me, and they know it. So you will be honorable, sons. And it will be a blessing to you. And here's all the reasons why. And if you see your father out of line, then call me out on that or let me know. But I am going to instill in you an honor code before God, whether you choose to obey God or not or this, but you're going to know it. It will be anchored in you because the Soto family legacy will be one of honor. So these are just the beginnings of how to create a family legacy, and it is actually what Joshua was getting at. It's actually what part of the law of Moses is trying to insinuate. Okay, we're going to run for home here. How to create a Jesus legacy. These are a series of declarations. These are a series of declarations uh, that I want you to understand. Okay, so how to create a Jesus legacy. Okay, so first, you want to declare Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Is that new or what? Right? So what was great about our baptism last week is that we had the horse trough out, and we're baptizing people, and if you're able to listen in, you're going to realize that the first thing we're going to say is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you come here declaring Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you understand what those things mean? Do you understand the blood of Christ has forgiven you of your sin? Do you understand that you've been born again? Do you understand that you're going to walk by faith, not by sight, and you're accepting all of this by the grace of God? Do you understand these foundational, fundamental truths, and you declare Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes? Yeah. You declare yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Interesting that in verse 14 in the text, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. The idea of that word sincerity is translated in Hebrew in so many other places as being wholehearted. 
being complete, holy, holy there. The idea of being fear of the Lord, verse 14, now therefore fear of the Lord is the idea that God is holy and reverent and you would treat him as holy and reverent. Declare Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord, first point of declaring, of creating a Jesus legacy. Second, declare yourself trustworthy. Now that may be fascinating, but that is that actually what Joshua is getting at when he says, as for me and my house will serve the Lord, declare yourself trustworthy, devote yourself to a life of building trust with God and building trust with people. That's what Joshua's teaching. And so you, you come and you say, you say, listen, I am, I am going to be a trustworthy follower of Christ. I'm going to be a, a trustworthy human being. I'm going to learn how to keep my word. And when I don't keep my word, I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to grow from that. I am going to be a trustworthy follower of Jesus. That is the beginning of legacy, the beginning of a reputation that's actually very important to have a Jesus legacy. Declare yourself as trustworthy, and you, and you will see the power of the gospel help you to build a trustworthy life. Third, declare God's truth. Declare God's truth with your mouth, on your lips, in your heart. The idea of truth in Hebrew is to be firm. That's a really fascinating word in the Hebrew Bible. The word truth is the idea of being firm. It's being solid with the truth. And so it's declaring that I want God's truth and I'm going to be firm with it. I will be firm, stable. Stable is actually another way the Hebrew word for truth actually comes out. The idea of being stable, idea of a road and stability, meaning I'm going to walk a long road with God and I'm going to be stable holding on to the truth. Declare God's truth. So church, you want a Jesus legacy? You're going to go out there. You're going to go out there and there's going to be opposition to that. And you have to find the grace and the strength to declare Jesus legacies. Okay, great. You, you believe all of these weird things that are in culture. Well, let me just tell you, for me and my house, we serve the Lord. I'm going to tell you that you will win on the street by reminding all of your neighbors to be more loving and kind right now. You're going to go to social interactions. I hope you go to barbecues afterwards. Go to pool parties. Jump in a pool after the service right away. <laughs> but you're going to hear all the back talk, smack talk, gossip. Just remind people in Jesus, I declare that, my brother and sister, you need to be more loving than that. Just straight up. Do you know what that person that you're picking on is going through? I don't. You need to be more loving than that. Declare yourself. Declare God's truth. Declare yourself a follower of Jesus. Declare yourself trustworthy. Declare yourself God's truth being your foundation stone forth. Declare freedom now. Declare freedom now. And so what that means in terms of Joshua Joshua is going to say very clearly, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose. Listen, put away these idols, these gods that are false. Declare freedom now. Idols, what that means is that you, your family, your friends are holding on to something that's not biblical, not healthy, not good, and you're holding on to something damaging from pain, from negativity, something that was given to you, something that was put upon you, and you need to declare the end of it right now. Right now. So listen, I'm just going to be transparent with this in terms of Rick Soto. And this is what I, this was, this was, and I, and I, and this is actually how it works, guys, okay? So this is why I share this testimony, all right? So I'm going to do this without tearing up, 
All right? So I am, and I will be, and I will finish the race, the first Soto to never commit adultery. You got that? And I have declared it. I have declared it. And I have declared it. And I have declared it, and I have declared it, and I have declared it. That, or anything associated with that, will never be my legacy. I have broken that chain. I've broken that chain of sin and of loss and of hurt and of disgust and of filth. I have broken that. And I am not that man. Praise the Lord. I've never been that man, but I'm never going to be that guy. I'm never, never, ever going to be that guy. I'll learn how to be a good man, a loving man, a good friend of people, a you know, pastor in the church, and all the things related to that, because that was idolatry. That was an inheritance from demons in the Caribbean and how it works with men and how it works with marriage and, and, and a whole society that's revolved around that if you make it and if you're kind of a society guy, well, then you have this girl and that girl and this girl and that girl. No, no, no. That's for me and my house. I don't care what you guys do. I don't care what anybody else does. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And I choose the wife of my youth, and I always choose her, and I'll never walk away from her in the arms of another woman, never. Amen. That's how you break. That's how you break these idols. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Fifth, you declare freedom. Now you put away family idols, which is something called breaking soul ties. And so there are things that you sometimes have to come in prayer. I'm going to invite you in prayer in a moment to break these things off and to be intentional about it. The things that I'm talking about do not happen through osmosis. They happen by an intentional walk with Christ to have a Jesus legacy. Six, you declare that you've learned from the past and live for Christ today. There's somebody who's going to tell you to forget about the past. Don't do that. You have to learn from the past. That's part of the tool of Christ. That's part of it was with Moses. That's part of what it was with Israelites. But you have to actually learn from the past and live for Christ today. Let me do this. I'm going to read this, uh, and we're going to run for home. So this is actually the very end of the gospel handbook that I wrote. And I'll help you to apply this. The last chapter says grace is God's DNA. So you know what the DNA is in your body? That's in you for your salvation. The next line says grace is contrary to human nature. Right? We reject grace. You ever try to give people grace and they don't take it? All the time. All the time. Grace is contrary to human nature, but it satisfies a hungry soul. Grace is the DNA of God. Grace is divine and contrary to human nature, yet satisfying to the soul. It runs like water to the lowest parts of our humanity, filling emptiness and brokenness. Yes? Since people are incapable of earning God's trust and salvation, God supplied grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you're saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, the gift of God, not as a result of works, so no one can boast. The illustration here is have like a lasso that comes around a life and God's grace brings you back. Confession is grace applied. Confession, the word confession means to agree with God about what is true. 
1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse. One of the first verses that ever broke off sin in my life. I write these things to you so that you may not sin, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He satisfies God for us and not for us only, but also for the sins of the world. 1 John chapter 2. Repentance. Repentance in the ancient world. Repentance in the ancient world. If a soldier was going the wrong way, the general would call to him and tell him to immediately turn around and go the right way. This is the meaning of the word repent. Going the wrong way? Hey, turn around. Come this way. That's the simple meaning of the word repent. Repent brings the kingdom. The idea of what Jesus called kingdom power is living inside a new realm that belongs exclusively to God. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Repentance brings power. Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Repentance brings mercy. This is one of Pastor Rick Soto's all-time favorite verses that God's kindness leads you to repentance. So I'm going to pray right now, church. I need you to respond. I need you to break off idols. I need you to leave the things that hold you. And I need you to come for certain reasons and get prayed over. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray now at this very moment, God, that you would graciously and kindly work within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through your amazing grace, to help us to have broken off all the things that would hold us back. And so I pray now, Lord Jesus, that you would allow us to come into a saving knowledge of you, that you would come right now at this very moment and save our souls and save us right now and let the past be the past and let it be something that we learn from the past and live for you today. So listen, just be quiet for a moment. Hey, if you're here and the past needs to get broken off you, raise your hand right now. If you're here in the past, needs to get okay. Thank you guys for raising your hand. Thank you guys. And put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for these that that prayed right now that the past would actually be broken off them. And I pray, God, that it would. I pray for the demons that cling to him, the negative things that cling to them. I pray, God, that you would snap them off and break them into. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.